Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. A lot of people are very tied down into their daily routines. They're used to to a habit and a ritual. And what happens is the world changes and then they try and hold on to the same old rituals that don't work. You know, it's like a fly that flies into an open window and then someone shuts the window and they just try and bounce back through the window over and over again. The sooner you realize that the situation has changed, if you've suddenly got kids at home, you're not going to be able to do the same routine that you had before. If you're suddenly working from home, then all your routines are going to fall apart. The moment you acknowledge that, the moment you go, okay, let's throw everything out the window. Let's break it all down into the ingredients that I had. So, you know, I knew that I was doing meditation. I knew that I was taking breaks. I knew my pomodoros were this length and so on and so forth. How can I reconstruct that knowing what I now know, knowing the current situation? The sooner you can start building new routines that are actually going to work within the situation. is The Maverick Show, where you'll meet today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Bowles. Welcome to The Maverick Show. My guest today is Arthur Worsley. He is a location-independent entrepreneur, writer, coach, and the founder of Faster to Master, which helps executives, entrepreneurs, and self-starters to read more, learn faster, and wake up productive. Originally from the UK, Arthur has a degree from Oxford University, where he specialized in studying the neurophysiology of memory. He worked at McKinsey and Company for three years and has subsequently focused his career on developing techniques for highly accelerated learning and ultra productivity. Arthur has applied his techniques to language learning, passing his B2 German fluency exam after just five months of learning German. He has gotten to a conversational level in a total of seven languages, four of which he maintains today, including Mandarin, German, French, and English, in which we'll be conducting this interview today. Arthur has also applied his meta-learning techniques to athletics and fitness becoming a level two Canadian ski instructor just six months after picking up his first set of skis. He has also applied them to physical endurance training. And with less than 10 months of preparation, he completed the legendary Marathon of the Sands, a six-day, 156-mile ultra marathon through the Sahara Desert in southern Morocco that is widely regarded as the toughest foot race on earth. Today, Arthur teaches others how to transform their lives by applying 
his accelerated learning and productivity techniques to the most important aspects of their own lives. Arthur has built his business with a location-independent infrastructure so he can run it from anywhere in the world. He has traveled to over 100 countries on seven continents, but today, in the moment, is based in Bali. Arthur, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. My man, so good to have you back. Let's just set the scene here. I mentioned that you're in Bali. Just for the context of recording this, we are right now in the middle of April 2020. The COVID-19 pandemic is sweeping the globe. I'm actually here in the United States. I'm based in Asheville, North Carolina today. The United States has passed 600,000 confirmed cases of COVID. Last week, it was 400,000. The week before, it was 200,000. So we are escalating at an incredible pace and obviously affecting you know life in every way imaginable here and other places around the world as well. But you know, I am safe. I'm healthy. I'm sheltering in place, isolated uh, with my parents, in fact, uh, at their place in Western North Carolina. So all is well here, my man. But I wanted to check in with you and Aaron. How are you guys and how are things in Bali? Yeah, we're well. We're well. Um, there was that brief phase where everyone went to DEFCON 1 and people were leaving and everyone thought maybe the social fabric of humanity would collapse in the next couple of days. And then that didn't happen. So we're all good here. They've shut restaurants and beaches, no social isolation. We've got 95 cases. I'm pretty sure they've run 95 tests but that's it. So yeah, it seems there's worse places to be in the world to sit this out. We're warm. It's uh, very rainy. It's all the things that COVID is not supposed to like. So life goes on. Indeed. Well, I want to also direct any of the listeners that did not hear your first episode. Uh, That was episode number 57. And it just has a ton of incredible evergreen content in there. We went through your entire journey. We went through a lot of the meta-learning principles, how you did a lot of the things that you've done, incredible travel adventures and feats and all sorts of things, which you broke down and shared with the listeners a lot of the principles for how they can do that as well. So I want to definitely, if you folks, if you haven't heard episode 57 with Arthur, definitely go and listen to that one. Today, I wanted to build on that, Arthur. And you know what I'm really doing here now in the last few weeks is I, I started to put together sort of this kind of a COVID-19 era series where I'm really trying to think about, you know, what is the greatest value that I can deliver to my listeners right now during this period? And which of the podcast guests that I've had on can I bring back that I think can really deliver the most value? And you were super high on that list when I started thinking about people. So I I appreciate you coming back, jumping on on short notice. And I want to jump into a couple areas of your expertise on this episode. And the first one is problem-solving frameworks. And before I kind of ask you specific questions relating to today, I was wondering if you can just give folks a little bit of your background in terms of you know, your work at McKinsey and a little bit of just your background in sort of developing the way that you think about problem-solving. Sure. So I guess 
The work at McKinsey was interesting um, for this kind of thing, and especially for what we're doing right now, because McKinsey is one of those businesses that thrives whether we're booming or whether we're busting, because there's always, it thrives on change, um, on opportunities, on strengths, on weaknesses, on, on things that are going on. So I had the opportunity to work on a few projects where businesses were going downhill and needed to restructure and refocus themselves. And I had a few opportunities to work on businesses that were going uphill and were like, okay, well, we have all of this success. What's next? How do we catalyze on, on what's going well. So I think that's something that's sort of interesting to think about in the current context is seeing there is definitely some winners out of the, from a business perspective, there are some businesses that are doing incredibly well out of uh, the current crisis. And there are some businesses who are really, really suffering. So splitting that and working out what to do differently is, is an interesting thing to think about. So let me ask you about this. We've got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the show and for that matter, guests of the show that run all different types of businesses. And a lot of entrepreneurs have really been punched in the mouth by this situation in terms of their businesses and the things that they built and the way that they marketed and the way that they sold and the way that they, you know, managed and all everything, you know, has fundamentally changed. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that affects some businesses more than others. But for entrepreneurs in general, especially entrepreneurs that really got hit by this and they're sort of, you know, in shell shock mode, how should they be thinking right now? What should be the assessment process and the problem solving framework and mindset that they should be in right now? I think if there's one book that everyone would benefit from reading right now, it's a very short but really well-written, lovely book called Who Moved My Cheese? Have you heard of that one? I have heard of it. Yeah. And the, the basic premise of the book is that when your cheese moves, there's nothing to be gained by sniffing around the same spot and just hoping it's going to come back. You know, the sooner you start adapting to the situation, even if that means an, a complete pivot away from what you're currently doing, uh, the sooner you'll start to make the mistakes and refine the the new source of cheese, the new source of sustenance and meaning of purpose that you've got. And I think that's very hard for people. We have this consistency bias where we don't want to let go of stuff, especially if our businesses have been going well over the past few months. You know, we, we sort of, we end up like in poker, we end up throwing bad cards after bad cards and just hoping that something good will come on the, you know, on the flop or, um, and it never happens, right? So, or it very rarely happens. So the sooner you can get rid of this consistency, this sunk cost fallacy, the sooner you can start getting on with adapting to what's going on. Okay. And what does that look like? Can you sort of break this down in a little bit more detail? If, you know, what should be sort of the step-by-step processes for business owners to assess and then make decisions and then prioritize, you know, a strategy plan? Can you give us a little bit of sort of tactical process in terms of how people should approach this? Yeah, I mean, if you're a successful business owner, then you kind of already know how to do this. The trick is not the how, it's actually the what, right? So I can't tell you how to run a successful business if Instagram is your target market or if things like that. But what I can tell you, there's one super useful question, which is called zero-based thinking. I learned this from a guy called Brian Tracy, who's one of, he's a fantastic writer on productivity. And he says, you should always ask this question, which is knowing what I now know, would I start this again if I had the choice? So I'll repeat that one more time. So knowing what I now know, would I get into this or would I start this again if I had the choice, right? And what that does is it lets you take you out of the sunk cost fallacy thing. So if you look at your current business, whatever it is that you're doing, the first question you need to ask yourself is, if I was 
starting my business for the first time, and it was the middle of COVID-19, it was April 17th, 2020, would I start this business knowing what I now know about the world and the future of this business in the next eight to 12 months? Right. And if the answer is no, then the, you need to get out of or pivot away from that business model as soon as you possibly can. And if you think you could put it into hibernation, that's great, but you have to get away from that sunk cost of, of sticking with it. Once you've made that decision, then actually it's going to free up a huge amount of mental energy to start thinking, okay, well, if that's not what I'm doing anymore, what can I do? And because depending on your unique, if you're a product, focused entrepreneur, if you're an information product focused entrepreneur or whatever it is you're doing, you'll be able to spot the opportunities because then you're you're not hanging back. You're not weighed down by the baggage of of what already exists. Do you have any examples of, you know, I know you obviously know a lot of entrepreneurs in your circles. Do you have any examples of ways that people have begun executing that or any things that you can share with business owners that you've seen people do as a result of this that have been impressive or effective? I've seen a couple of restaurant businesses. There's a serial entrepreneur out here who runs a lot of the bars and nightclubs. And he has, for example, pivoted to an alcohol delivery business because he has all of these alcohol stocks sitting in his bars and nightclubs and he knows people are trapped at home. And so the first thing he's done is, well, how can I bring my service to people's homes instead of the other way around? So that's one example. Indonesia, unlike most parts of the world, there's a a massive delivery infrastructure here. So some of the best businesses, the restaurants, which are doing the best have actually benefited out of this are the ones who have a strong online presence and have adapted themselves, turned themselves into kitchens that are delivering instead of restaurants that are serving people in their restaurants. There's one guy I was talking to recently who does event tickets, um, and they're all about events. uh, And they've pivoted into video, for example. So trying to do live video events, live video streaming, that kind of thing. So it's just about working out what the new situation is and not getting caught up in what you've lost and not getting caught up in what's worked in the past. If the world has changed, then you need to adapt and change with it. Awesome. I also want to talk to you about productivity, in particular, productivity during chaotic and uncertain times. So most people feel that in general, before all this happened, (laughs) that their lives are incredibly busy. They don't have enough time for most of the things that they want to do. They feel overwhelmed. I mean, that's like the regular state of most people, I think. And now, you know, even people that may have felt, you know, reasonably productive before that might have been, you know, well above average on the productivity, you know, continuum have been thrust into environments where there is a high level of additional chaos or change. And so even if they had a routine and it was working for them before, well, now maybe they've got kids that are home that are running around. They've got a homeschool. They've got a, you know, all sorts of other things that they're now juggling and their life just became a whole lot more chaotic all at once. And so in general, let's just start with how should someone deal with a whole bunch of increased chaos in their life to start the process of creating for the first time or recreating a way to be productive through that? It's basically exactly the same thing as for the entrepreneurs, right? You know, a lot of people are very tied down into their daily routines. They're used to to a habit and a ritual. And what happens is the world changes and then they try and hold on to the same old rituals that don't work. You know, it's like a fly that flies into an open window and then someone shuts the window and they just try and bounce back 
through the window over and over again, the sooner you realize that the situation has changed. If you've suddenly got kids at home, you're not going to be able to do the same routine that you had before. If you're suddenly working from home, then all your routines are going to fall apart. The moment you acknowledge that, the moment you go, okay, let's throw everything out the window. Let's break it all down into the ingredients that I had. So, you know, I knew that I was doing meditation. I knew that I was taking breaks. I knew my Pomodoros were this length and so on and so forth. How can I reconstruct that knowing what I now know, knowing the current situation, the sooner you can start building new routines that are actually going to work within the situation. The longer you hang on to old routines, especially when you're in a different physical location and the cues in your environment are different, the longer you're basically going to be throwing good money after bad. Okay. So therefore, whether we're talking about someone who did not have a super productive routine to begin with, or we're talking about somebody that perhaps used to, but is now thrust into a completely different chaotic situation, they have to scrap all of that. Let's talk about how to create from wherever you're starting at the moment, right now, while you're listening to this, what are the first steps to creating a productive routine so that once you've done that thinking and the assessment about your situation, whether you're an entrepreneur or whatever your situation is, how do you create a productive routine starting from scratch, starting from now? What are the first steps? The first thing I would suggest is as much as possible trying to uh, engineer your environment. So your environment works for you or against you. And something that a, a lot of my friends have struggled with, people who work very hard, is that the one thing that stopped them from working too hard all the time is that they would leave the office and come home. So they could have a physical separation between work and home life where they shut their laptop or they weren't around colleagues and that kind of thing. And the people I see who've really struggled with this are people who come home and they work from their bedrooms, for example, and they work from uh, the same laptop or they work from the kitchen. And then what happens is all of these cues get confused. So you end up being in your bedroom But instead of thinking about relaxing and being calm, you're thinking about work, right? Or you work from the same laptop. And so uh, when you shouldn't actually be working, what happens is you switch on to your emails and you think, I'll just check a couple of emails. So trying to separate your environment so that your work cues and your relaxation cues are totally separate from one another is really important. You can do that physically by actually just designating. It doesn't have to be a whole room. It can literally be a desk, a piece of space where you leave your work stuff and you only do work in that area, kind of like a miniature office. And then you can have a piece of space, which is holy ground, where you have no work stuff whatsoever. That's a very powerful way to do it. Um, If you're on the same laptop, then a great thing to do is actually create two user accounts. So you create a work user account and a home user account. That's like a soft digital separation, but it's still a way to separate it so that when you're on your personal stuff with your Netflix on it, you're not distracted by your work emails. And when you're looking at your work emails, you're not distracted by your Netflix because the two accounts, they create it creates friction between those two states, if you will. So the first thing I would do is just kind of set up your environment to try and specialize work cues away from home cues. And that'll help you both relax and also get more work done. Awesome. Okay. And then once you've done that, let's then go on to the next step. What is the next step that people need to take in terms of increasing their productivity right now after that? It really depends on the person, what you're struggling with, what particular part of productivity. If you're going down Productivity 101 and you really are stuck on stuff, there's a productivity quiz on Faster Master where I list 25 habits, which 
literally every, all the most productive people I know use these habits to basically create structure and frameworks around their day. So it's everything from um, going to bed at the same time every night to having a plan for tomorrow to finding time to get uh, familiar with how they're feeling and what's on their mind at the moment and things like that. So that's a great place to start that list of 25 habits. If I had to pick one thing, if you said one thing that I need to do, I would actually pick your evening routine. People get very obsessed with morning routines. They think, okay, if I can just start my day right, then the rest of my day will go brilliantly. What most people forget is that your morning routine is entirely dictated by what happens the night before. If you go to bed too late, if you don't get enough sleep, um, whatever it is, then you're going to wake up and you've already sabotaged tomorrow. So tomorrow starts today. So working out a plan for tomorrow is step one. And step two is making sure that you're going going to bed at the right time, that you're setting yourself up for the best night of sleep possible, that's how you're going to make tomorrow great. If you get sidetracked in Netflix until, you know, one o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock at night, you're not going to be able to wake up and be effective at five, six or seven o'clock in the morning, you know, especially if you have other people waking you up. And since we now have so many new things that have sort of been thrown into our life that we're juggling and trying to deal with and all of that, can you talk about this concept of creating a not to do list and how people should think about that and why that's important? For sure. I think the not to do list is actually important from a sense of making sure that you're just aware. Well, the first step in creating a not to do list is to know where your time is actually going, right? You cannot create a not to do list or not easily unless you know what's happening. So one of the best things you can do is to just start tracking your time over the course of the day. You know, we talked about becoming familiar with what the new situation looks like before you can design a solution. If you start tracking your time, and I don't mean on a minute by minute basis, I mean, just roughly, you know, in a note, like, oh, I spent two hours working, then 15 minutes on a break, then I had lunch for an hour, um, whatever it is, then you can start to actually work out what are the things in your day, which are time wasting, what's setting you off, what's pushing you, you know, what's causing you to procrastinate, all that kind of stuff. I think that's really important right now for people to do that time tracking because we're thrust into this sort of new situation and we're juggling all sorts of stuff. And a lot of people are feeling pretty unproductive. And the reasons for that might be different from what they were three months ago, you know? And so I think the the time tracking stuff right now is super, super important. So I am doing that right now myself and I'm using your traction planner to track my time, which I think is a fantastic tool that I want to recommend to people. So go ahead if you had an additional tip on the time tracking, but then also go ahead and tell people how the Traction Planner works because I have found it particularly helpful for tracking my own time. I think you got it. You hit the nail on the head, right? That when a situation changes before you make any decisions, the first thing to do is get clear on what the new situation looks like. And time tracking before you try and do anything will just help you know, okay, well, what kind of time am I getting up? What kind of time am I going to sleep? What are the, you know, am I having lunch at radically different times every day? What time of day am I disrupted? When do I run out of energy? When do I start browsing, you know, YouTube, you know, those kinds of things. Once you've done that for a day or two, you don't even need my help to start making changes. The beauty of time tracking is the changes happen automatically. You start, now that you have more information, your brain can actually get to work on that information and make lots of little changes to your day to actually improve your productivity. So And then what you can do if you're really stuck after that is you can start to write a not to do list. So knowing what you now know, what are all the things that you need to get out of and stop doing? And then you can actually just get to work on that not to do list every day and stop the things which are no longer important so that you have more time for the things that are now more important. So let's talk about that next step. Okay, so creating your new routine with your segmented workspace 
and all of that, and then tracking your time and understanding in this new situation, where is our time actually going? Because most likely we're not paying attention to where a lot of it is actually going, especially if we're feeling overwhelmed and we're feeling like we're in a state of chaos and there's a lot of maybe financial duress or other challenges in our lives right now, we're probably not paying super close attention to where a lot of our time is going. So with the time tracking, that'll be identifiable. And then creating, based on what we see in our time tracking, a not-to-do list of to remove non-essential things. So once we've create, we removed the non-essential things and we've created more time for ourselves for the important things, what should the process be in terms of you know, setting priorities and then the daily to-do list. How should we think about that? I think once you, human beings are actually incredibly good at prioritization, right? We don't, the, the issue is almost never that we don't know what the right thing to do is. The issue is almost always that we don't do what we already know is the most important thing on our list. So I would say rather than overthinking the prioritization, because you can come back for prioritization later, um, right? You can think bigger. You can start uh, thinking about your projects, your visions, your mission. But actually, in a state like now, where your view is closer to the ground, if you will, you know, you don't have the space to necessarily think bigger. Is to go with your gut on what your most important things are, and then work out why they're not happening. So to actually step back and work out why you're procrastinating in them, you know, what's in the way, you know, what is it that that you need to take action on in order to base. If you imagine like your most important thing is a rock at the top of a hill, you basically want to clear all of the obstacles that are going to get in the way of it so that it can just naturally happen uh, on the way down. And there's a few different reasons. I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes, sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, the physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. We procrastinate. We can talk about that if you want. Up to you. I definitely want to talk about procrastination as well as distractions and how to minimize those. And just also for context, I mean, since our first interview, I have been using your Traction Planner and I have also been not just going through your free content, but I have also been going through your paid Traction Masterclass productivity course, which I'm going through right now, which has been incredibly helpful. And with respect to some of the distractions, one of the things that I pulled out, I mean, I'll just share this, that that really helped me a lot was this concept of avoiding the source, meaning that if you can identify what the source of some of your distractions are, how can you potentially avoid that? And so for me, my phone, as an example, was a distraction. And what I found myself doing was that even if I turned my phone off, so there wasn't like beeping notifications or anything like that, I would still find myself just habitually picking the phone up 
and looking at it, even though there was nothing coming through it as just a reflex and that that would take me out of, you know, my focus or my deep work session or whatever it was. And so what I did, you know, after I heard you talk about avoiding the source of your distraction is I literally just put the phone in another room, you know, so it's not even in the same room with me while I'm doing a focus session. And that helped me a lot. But I would love for you to talk about, you know, that's just one example, but in general, you know, ways to sort of, you know, avoid distraction and transcend the procrastination tendencies that we have. For sure. So, I mean, I think the beauty of human beings is you don't even have to go as far as putting your phone in another room. You can put it in a desk drawer next to you, or you can even just put the phone behind your laptop screen if you're working on a laptop. It was so visual that it's the visual cues that trick us off. If you see the phone next to you, you'll pick it up. If you can't see it, you don't think about it. It's kind of as simple as that. Putting it in another room if you're really struggling is definitely a good thing to do because it just creates that extra barrier. With distractions, the main thing to do is so a a good way of doing this is basically just to keep a little piece of paper next to you and just write down every time you catch yourself being distracted what it is that you're actually doing you know what was it that distracted you right and then just add those things over the maybe it's just one thing a day you notice maybe it's two things maybe it's three things and then you just put those on the list and you add those things to your not to do list a friction i always say friction is the enemy of action right? And you can use that to your advantage to stop things from happening and use it to your advantage to, to make things happen more easily. So once you know what the things are that distract you, you can simply find ways to either avoid them or eliminate them and get them out of your environment so they're not directly in front of you. And you'll find you just have to exert less willpower to focus on whatever's left, which tends to be you know what's work in front of you. And people get very anxious about how do I focus on the most important thing in front of me? One of the answers is just to remove everything else so that there's nothing else that can possibly distract you. And what about sort of procrastination tendencies? You know, I find myself doing exactly what you just described, which is that, you know, we sort of know what some of the more important things are that are actually going to probably move the needle. And a lot of times we're hesitant to do those things for different reasons. And there's certain things that are just, you know, easier or quicker, or we kind of get, you know, sidetracked for different reasons. What tips do you have on overcoming procrastination and why we do that. So my favorite, this is a a snapshot of module four from the masterclass, but the, the steps that I always go through, step one is to just understand when you're procrastinating. So everyone, I have what I call my observations on unhappiness, which is just a list of things that I know I do when I'm procrastinating, when I'm not doing stuff, right? It could be uh, logging onto YouTube. It could be checking my messages on my phone. It could be, you know, fridge gazing, just going and looking to see if there's anything in the fridge, even though I know there's nothing in there, right? And the moment you write that list, you become an expert on when you procrastinate. You get very good at going, oh, you, you know, you get more and more aware of your procrastination so that you pick it up earlier and earlier instead of picking it up three hours and you pick it up three minutes and you can get back on it quickly once you know when you're procrastinating the the trick is to understand why you're procrastinating so i've got a long article on this on faster master on procrastination i think there are basically four reasons we procrastinate there's lack of motive lack of clarity lack of energy and lack of courage right there's a few different ways to think about that with what's going on right now so lack of motive is not really an issue right now for most people's most important things because there's so much chaos going on that people are working at a base level to preserve their health, to preserve their wealth, you know, to look after the people they love. And so motive is 
usually quite strong for some of the stuff that we're doing. If you're not motivated, it's probably not the right thing, right? Lack of clarity is a big one. Lack of clarity is just a case of like, if you have an elephant in front of you and you try and eat the entire elephant, it's going to be a pretty scary prospect. But if you cut the elephant up into lots and lots of tiny pieces, so you're only ever focusing on the small next action, then suddenly it becomes a very easy thing to do. So if you're struggling on something and you don't feel any of the other reasons, then what it may be is you just need to sit down and break it into smaller pieces to make a plan and work out what's going on. Lack of energy is actually a big problem right now because people are, so there's a whole load of physiological reasons. You know, people maybe aren't getting as much sunshine. People aren't probably eating as well as they used to. People are more sedentary, but also people are working too hard. You know, there's this lack of divide that a lot of people are suffering with between home and work. And so they're not taking the time out to actually recover and rest. You know, they're not, a lot of people have canceled holidays that were well overdue and things like that. So really getting on top of your energy, whether you're tracking your HRV in the mornings, whether you're tracking what I call ABC days, a lot of these things I talk about in the the new productivity primer, um, the book that I'm just writing at the moment, but getting on top of your energy is important. And then lack of courage is really, there's a, I'm sure we talked about this last time. There's a great exercise from Tim Ferriss, which I love, um, called fear setting, uh, where you just basically go through and, and pre-mortem the very worst thing that can happen. You almost always find it's not as bad as you think it could be, um, or find ways to mitigate that. And that can often be the difference between taking action and not taking action. So, so that was lack of motive, lack of courage, lack of energy, um, and lack of clarity. Um, and if you can work out then why you're doing stuff, actually, you find it very easy to then take steps to actually get rid of that procrastination, just start getting on with whatever the most important thing that you need to do is. I want to build a little bit on what you just said about the people that are, you know, working incredible amounts of hours now and not effectively sort of switching off and recovering. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, can lead to burnout. So I think what has happened with a lot of entrepreneurs is that people have been sort of, even if they had like well-established businesses, they've now, a lot of them have just been thrust back into basically startup mode, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it was in the beginning. And there's just a super intense period where, you know, everything is very different. And so we're back into that challenge of switching off, challenge of recovering and balancing and, you know, risk of burnout in addition to all the other duress that's currently going on in this environment. And so can you talk a little bit about strategies that we should be attentive to in that regard? I think we may have talked about this last time, but something I learned when I was doing my training for the Marathon de Sable, when I was looking into how athletes get this compounding consistent performance gains, is the most important way to get stuff done, whether you're learning, whether you're doing stuff, whether you're building a business, is not to get injured, right? So physiologically, that means like, don't overtrain, don't get injured, because all that will happen is you'll fall behind and then you'll overcompensate and you'll worsen the injury. The same is true with working too hard. So you can become uh, injured from a fatigue perspective where everything has gone crazy now. And so you decide, I'm going to do a four-week sprint and I'm going to work really, really hard. And then what happens is you burn yourself out, you blow up, right? And then you have to take a week or two weeks out. Even if you're not out, you're not doing stuff properly, you start falling behind and then you just repeat the process and it gets worse and worse and worse. So making sure that even though this has been a sudden change, and that everyone, all the people around you, I don't know if anyone listening to this has, has ever run a race before, a running race, but there's this like incredible energy at the start. The people who burn out on kilometer 30 of a marathon or like mile 15 roughly are the ones who run too fast at the beginning because everyone else is running too fast. So it's a step back, 
take a pause, realize that this is going to be around and, and all the consequences is going to be around for the next six, eight, 12 months longer if you're rebuilding your business and to plan the way that you put energy into this accordingly. Just don't get injured. You know, don't be worried if you fall, putting my fingers in the air, if you fall behind the other people around you, because those people in, in three months time are going to be super burned out and all over the shop. And you'll just be slowly chugging your way past them, you know, making sure you're still getting stuff done every day. Do you have any other tips, Arthur, for being intentional and being attentive to our mental and emotional health during this quarantine period? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the the most important, if you want an answer to a question, the most important thing to do is to sit down and ask someone what the answer is, right? And often we forget to do that with ourselves. So we're so busy being anxious or being stressed that we forget to actually acknowledge that we are anxious and we are stressed. Or maybe we're not, maybe we're tired, maybe we're excited. But I think spending, trying to find time every single day, whether it's meditation or whether it's journaling, to simply sit down and ask the question, how am I feeling right now? Right? How am I feeling? And, and I go through three levels of that, I think, in terms of sensations. So I feel like, how does my body feel right now? Like, where am I got aches and pains? Am I exhausted? Am I full of energy? Am I restless? Am I feeling still, you know, where, how am I feeling physically? And then I ask myself emotionally, I'm like, what am I feeling right now? Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it excitement? Is it exhaustion? And then the last thing I think about is thoughts. What are the recurring thoughts that are going on around and around in my head? Once you become a, the reason that most people get injured uh, emotionally and fatigue wise is because they don't take the time to just do a status check on how they're feeling. Right. And so they keep overtraining on muscles that are already exhausted, on bits of them that are already exhausted. Whereas if you take a step back regularly just to actually get a status check and realize that your health is low and that you need to stop and recover, you actually become much less likely to then overrun yourself and overwork yourself and, and run yourself into the ground. And do you have any particular tips you can share for stress mitigation and stress management you know, when people have particularly stressful or challenging days and, you know, the overwhelm just mounts or there's a bunch of setbacks in the same day or really challenging things happen, what types of stress release techniques do you use or could you recommend that people might want to try? There's a number, right? So the first one that I would suggest is using something called journaling, if people aren't familiar with that, whereas where you literally just get a piece of paper and a pen out um, or an iPad and an Apple Pencil or whatever it is you use, and you just write for 15 minutes. You just set a timer and you write, and you write whatever you want. You can be mean to yourself. You can, you're can just writing a stream of consciousness. Right now, I feel super stressed out and frustrated. Like This has gone wrong. This has gone wrong. This has gone wrong. And just it gives you that opportunity to vent, but also to problem solve with yourself. Because often what happens is after five minutes, you kind of all of that energy and that upset inside you runs out of steam and you move into a much more like planning mode and less of an escape mode, less of a, a fear and anger mode. But journaling is pretty much the best and cheapest cognitive behavioral therapy that money can buy. And you don't need anyone else to do it. It's far, far better than a therapist in almost every regard. The second thing is meditation. Meditation is a great way. It doesn't get rid of the stuff, but it just lets you sit with it. So it gets you more comfortable being in the position you are. Eventually that might actually, once you learn to accept what's going on, you may end up disappearing, but that's not always true for everyone. That's not why you should sit down. It's just to be like, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. And that's okay. That's cool. If you're really stuck, another thing to do if you're just having a really, really bad day is to just do something you love, you know, uh, and try and make it um, healthy and constructive at the same time. So there are some things which we love, 
where we know at the end of them, we feel worse than we did when we started. So an eight hour Netflix binge marathon is a good example of that. So make a list of all the things that you really want to do that you really love and enjoy doing. And then just quickly ask yourself, do I feel better about myself after I do these things? Or do I feel worse about myself? And a really great thing to do, especially right now is to just call someone who you really resonate with, call someone who you love, call someone who you care about, call someone who makes you feel great about yourself. It's amazing what a little bit of a shift from a state of anxiety and fear and worry, if you just do something even if you don't feel like it, you go through the motions very quickly, you end up shifting your mood into an entirely different state. Moods are very malleable and hackable. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think, you know, the longer this distancing goes on, and the more sort of social deprivation that people have, the more important it is to do exactly what you're saying, which is to be very intentional and increasingly frequent about reaching out and connecting with different people, particularly positive people to make you feel good about yourself. I think that's crucially important strategy for sure. Yeah. And it doesn't have to, you know, if you're really struggling, you know, let's say all the people you know are busy or you've spoken to them all or you can't reach them, you know, listen to a podcast that makes you feel awesome. You know, watch a, a YouTube. Before I did all of the masterclass videos, I would spend 10 minutes watching inspiring YouTube videos, you know, where they have these incredible snapshots of interviews and quotes. And you literally can't watch one of those things without, you know, getting shivers on your skin and feeling amazing afterwards. Uh, you can use affirmations. There's many, many different approaches to doing it. But if you can't get direct, real human contact, even just being around, even if it's just digitally around humans who make you feel good about yourself is a great way to lift your mood. Well, I think we've now talked a lot about strategies for people that are going through challenges and difficulties during this period. But I also want to frame this period, this sort of quarantine period, also as an opportunity to accelerate all sorts of positive things in your life and not just survive through it and not just deal with setbacks and deal with crises, but as a proactive opportunity to do incredible things. I mean, for the most part, you know, <laughs> we're forced into this situation, but basically we're not able to actually do a whole bunch of other things that we might have previously been doing. So we now have more time to do new or different or, you know, heightened, accelerated things in different ways. And so I wanted to just sort of ask you a little bit about, you know, tips, Arthur, for people that want to take this as an opportunity to learn new skills and, you know, take their skill development to a different level. I know you have a lot of resources and, and maybe, you know, you could talk about them a little bit for people that want to start reading about new topics or people that want to, you know, they've always wanted to develop a skill and maybe now is the time to do that. What types of resources do you have on Faster to Master and, and where would you recommend that people start? Yeah, I mean, I think the way that you frame that is is really lovely. We we talked at the beginning of the interview about how to fix stuff that's broken. Actually, one of the best defenses is a good offense, right? It's instead of seeing this as like these are all the things I need to fix, you go, okay, well, what are all the things I can work on? You see, this is an opportunity. That's actually a wonderful way to fix all the broken stuff. You know, I think you also uh, one of my favorite tricks at the moment is to reframe everything that I have to do as something that I get to do. So instead of saying to myself, I have to stay at home with nothing but my Kindle for the next month, 
I get to say, hey, I get to stay at home with nothing but my Kindle for the next month. You know, nothing's going to make me feel guilty about lying on the couch and reading as many books as I want. You know, there's no beach outside that I should be going to. The weather, you know, it doesn't matter if the weather's great. I can't go and do stuff. So reframing that as an opportunity that you get to work on all of these things. You know, if you don't have oversight, you know, you're not commuting every day, right? So you get to spend that extra hour and a half that you're probably never going to get back thinking about the important things in your life or learning new skills or working on some part of yourself that you're excited to build or learning to program or whatever it may be. That's a pretty cool way to look at it. Once you know that, I mean, my favorite way to learn is through books and courses, particularly books. I love books, but also podcasts, uh, also documentaries, whatever it is that you want to do is just to work out, okay, well, what is it that excites me? If I could retire tomorrow and just learn whatever it is that I wanted, even if I can only do that for an hour or two a day, what's the list of things that I would go down? What's the list of stuff that I wish I knew more about? Can you talk a little bit about the Faster to Master website resources that you have? Because it, it is just an incredible trove of free content that I, I want to send people to. But I want you to explain a little bit about the way that you categorize and review different books that people can just go there. And it's just so accessible for people that want to learn about a particular topic or develop a particular skill and all of the resources that you have on meta-learning and really hyper-accelerated ways to learn about a topic or accelerate the development of a skill that people could literally do right now on quarantine and you teach them how to do it much quicker than they would otherwise be able to do it. So can you talk a little bit about the completely free resources that you have and, and how those are structured on your website? For sure. I love learning. That's one of my favorite favorite, favorite pastimes. So I ba all I've basically done is I've had to do a lot of legwork to work out, okay, what are the best books that I want to read? And what are the key lessons from this book? And what are the steps that I take when I want to learn a skill quickly? I've had to do all of that stuff for myself anyway. And I kind of just share my finished answers on the website because A, it's nice to share it. And B, it actually brings my quality of work to a higher level. So there are three areas outside of productivity, which I kind of help with. One is lists of reading lists, book recommendations. So across various different topics across different genres, you know, fiction, nonfiction, but also across improving your memory or learning faster or being more productive or getting better at personal finance, whatever it may be. Even there's a health and vitality one, there's one on mindfulness. I basically have like collected this massive library of books and then I've triaged, uh, I've ripped a lot of data out of the internet and then created a ranking algorithm to, to surface the best ones. And I share that for free. I also share whenever I read books, I share my book summaries often the ones that I, I think are worth summarizing. So that's a great way to either decide if you want to read a book or not, or to recap the lessons that are inside it. Uh, and one of my favorite books on there, I have a cheat sheet for how to read a book faster, um, which is an incredible meta, meta learning skill because it teaches you how to learn how to learn <laughs> even faster. And there's also a whole lot of articles. So I've done some articles on 10 steps to learning any skill, how to improve your memory, how to learn a language. I was one of the first ones I wrote based on four years of learning languages. So, so yeah, there's, I mean, if you're interested and curious and you've got time on your hands, there are worse places to find lots of things to fill that curiosity up with. Absolutely. And one of the things, as I mentioned earlier, that I'm doing during this quarantine is I am taking your course, your Traction Masterclass course, because one of the personal improvement areas that I feel that I need to improve in my life is my productivity. And that was in general, that was before the COVID thing. And so I'm using this quarantine opportunity as a way to improve that area of my life. But I'm wondering if you can also, just for people that didn't hear the last episode, 
Arthur, just talk a little bit about your traction planner and this concept of the wheel of life. So if somebody's like, okay, I'm home in quarantine, I definitely have an opportunity. I want to learn some new stuff or do some new things or step up a particular area of my life. How does the traction planner work and, and how does the wheel of life work maybe as a starting point for people? I mean, out of the, I literally did that exercise and came up with the productivity thing. And then therefore, I'm now taking your course on it. But, you know, how should people think, you know, through that? Yeah, I mean, so the traction planner is the pointy end of the traction system. It's sort of really focused on doing two things, helping you dominate every day and win all your weeks, but also uh, helping you direct your efforts towards the area of life that's most holding you back. So again, it's all about clarity. So there's a whole lot of different sections, but the first thing you do is you fill out an area of life, which has traction's eight areas of life in them, which are uh, health and vitality, thoughts and emotions, friends and family, love and partnership, growth and learning, productivity and performance, business and career, and wealth and lifestyle. So within that, if you were, if I was to simplify that into four areas, you've basically got health, uh, relationships, growth, and wealth and career. And so by doing that, what it does is let you go, okay, well, there's maybe there's loads of things. It can be very overwhelming right now. You're like, okay, well, I've got all of this time. I want to work on all the parts of my life. By narrowing it down, you can go, okay, well, what's the one most important area of life that's most holding me back, that's causing me the most headaches, that's causing me the most trouble? You know, I have this incredible opportunity now to get to work on it where I might not always have that. You know, I might be then back at work doing my 10 hours a day um, in a few months' time. So the first step is the wheel of life in the planner, and, and it helps you focus the rest of your actions. Or it, it gives a, I don't want to say help you focus, it adds a flavor to the rest of the pages, a sort of a sense of priority to the, to the rest of the pages that you then fill out over the course of the 90 days that it runs. Awesome. All right, Arthur, I want to bring this to a close here. And thank you for coming back on the show. But I want you to let people know how they can access all this stuff. Now, everything you tell them to do here, we're going to link up in the show notes. So we're going to have direct URLs in one place, just go to the maverickshow.com and go to the uh, Arthur Worsley episode number 81. And you're going to have links to everything. But basically tell them what are the opportunities? How can they come into your universe and uh, get access to all this stuff we've been talking about? For sure. I mean, the best way is to visit fastertomaster.com. Everyone will come for a slightly different reason. You know, if you're interested in getting book summaries, go check out the book recommendations. If you're interested in reading this, go check out the book recommendations. If you're interested in book summaries, go check out the book summaries. If you want to learn more about language learning or accelerated learning, go check that stuff out. And there's a whole productivity section as well. The best way to really get a tour around the site is just to sign up to the mailing list. You can see that on the homepage, but also on any of the major pages. And when you do, I spend the first week guiding you through all the best content on the site um, and actually take you through each of those sections and explain how I got there and why they're important. I even send you a, a cheat sheet of my 10 favorite articles on the site. And if you want to get something for the trouble, if you, there's a free tools link at the top of the page, uh, it's one of the main links. And there's a whole load of free tools, everything from productivity templates to um, the templates that you can use to improve your memory to my language learning guide with a whole load of language learning tips attached to it. So all of that stuff's free. That's the best way to get into the stuff. If you, if you know you want the planner or you want to get involved in the course, obviously you can go straight into it, but also just enjoy the free content get the emails, get to know what it is that I'm doing and, and what you like and what you don't and and then take things from there. Yeah, the free content is incredible how much of it and how substantive it is on your site. So I definitely want to encourage everybody to check that out. And then if they want to use the planner, they can order that from the site as well. I'm using it right now. It's been super helpful. I recommend it. 
And then if they want to join me, Arthur, in taking your course, which is called the Traction Revolutionary Productivity Masterclass. Yeah. Get organized, work less, and live more meaningfully in just 42 days guaranteed. That is the value proposition. I am in the middle of going through it right now, and it has been super, super incredibly helpful for me. I want you to be able to talk a, a little bit about it. But you know what I have found incredibly helpful about it so far is that you break down the process from A to Z in exactly the correct sort of chronological order that we need to go through each of these things. You give us homework and assignments to implement into our lives each week. And then we come back and then we have access to you. We can ask direct questions. We can give updates on how it went for us. What did we struggle with? What was challenging? You know, and so forth. And then you'll actually reply and give suggestions and, you know, give personalized individual interaction there and help us through different things. But the way that you've broken it down into the bite-sized pieces and the way that it's chronologically structured so that you're implementing you know, a couple pieces that are absolutely doable to implement this week. And then the next week you're building on that. You're doing some of this other stuff. And the next week you're building on that. You're doing some other stuff. And you've just structured it in an incredibly masterful way, I think, that has been really, really helpful for me so far uh, on my way through it. So, you know, anybody that wants to join me in that course, how can they get involved with that? And then, you know, anything else that you want to say, you know, about the course? Yeah, sure. I mean, you'll find all the details for the course on the store page. Just drop me an email. There's a free training, which you can get through uh, by signing up to the mailing list. That's the best way to get access to it because you get it at a much cheaper price if you go through that free training. So go check that out. It'll also explain the basics of how the whole system works. So it'll give you a snapshot of it if it's something you actually want to do. But also just email me anytime. I love hearing from people and I always reply. I might be a little bit slow sometimes, but I always reply to people. um, So I'd love to hear from you. And yeah, I mean, you know, the course speaks for itself. There are some reviews on the page. I'm really glad that you're enjoying it. Our friend Sean, uh, whose podcast I was on, was doing it. He was on the call last night and he's enjoying it. You know, and, and I think for me, the what's most rewarding is that it, it really does help people. You know, people take a lot out of the course. They, it gives them not just the ability to, to do more things, but actually to do the right things. And not just people get very worried about productivity, that it's all about, okay, well, if I'm just more productive, when I be more stressed, when I just work harder, that kind of thing. The whole point of traction is it takes a holistic perspective on life. So productivity is about spending time with your loved ones. Productivity is about wasting time. If that's the most important thing that you should be doing. It's about recovering. It's about going on holiday. It's about living your very best possible life. It's not about how can I turn up to work for 14 hours every day and just crank through as many widgets as possible. That's the nightmare version of productivity, and it's not what we we focus on, which is why I think people enjoy the course because it helps them to actually create some balance and meaning in their lives instead of just you know more stuff around like here's how you write a to do list and here's how you you know here's how you do all of these mundane things that people have written about for weeks and weeks and or for years and years. Absolutely. So, folks, what we're going to do is we are going to link up in the show notes all of the direct URLs so that you're going to be able to go and find all of these different things that if you want to go to the course, if you want to check out the Traction Planner, if you want to just go to Arthur's site and check out all of the incredible free content that he has there, all those links are going to be in one place. Just go to themaverickshow.com and go to the Arthur Worsley episode number 81. Arthur, thank you so much for being here, man. It was great to have you back on the show. 
Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me back on. It's amazing that we can do this between Bali and the US in the middle of a global lockdown. It's one of the things that always continues to blow my mind. It is amazing, my friend. And I appreciate you jumping on uh, on such short notice and uh, providing such awesome value to the Maverick listeners, man. So thank you for that. And have a good night, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks, and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you by cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. Schedule a free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place so you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber. To get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals, schedule your free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com forward slash consult.